Welcome to Grief and Gratitude, a podcast by Coffee and Grief. I'm Maria, and this is my mom, Annie. We're a mom-daughter team who talk about grief. We started this podcast to learn more about grief, to be part of the conversation in normalizing grief. My biggest grief was being widowed when I was 28 and pregnant with Maria's older brother. Everything in my world changed, eventually for the good. Eventually there was Scott, my husband, then beautiful Maria. But I'm fond of saying that grief is the source of my superpowers. It's where I learned to not take time for granted. It's where I learned compassion and love in a bigger, deeper way. It's where I learned to be a beauty seeker, a joy seeker. And now my current heartache is around my mom and her dementia. For me, I was raised by my mother, mother who was grieving. Grief was very normalized in our home. One of the things I've realized in these past few years is when we don't share our griefs, they become secrets and tear people up. But in sharing them, they can become a way to connect to each other's humanity. For me, the past few years, I've lost multiple people in my life, including two grandparents and four horses and a few cats. I feel as though most deaths in my life have been major benchmarks in how I view the world. Part of why we started this to explore grief is we also believe that grief is transformative. Um, it's not, you don't have to stay stuck in the hard parts. Grief is one of life's certainties. It allows us to connect to each other, human to human. If you're here in the early stages of your grief, we're here to say it's hard. We're here to say be kind to yourself and thank yourself for showing up, for being curious about what grief can look like in its wholeness. These conversations are not a prescription. We just are hoping to offer you a little hope and yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Um, so as we like to say, grab your coffee or whatever's in your cup and let's talk. Today, we're delighted to welcome Mary Mandeville. Mary lives in Portland, Oregon. She provides chiropractic care for people and their pets. Together with her wife, she cares for a century-old house, tends a flock of city chickens, and is shepherding a couple of really old canines through their golden, though not always shiny, final years. Mary and her wife hold the memory of the son they lost a decade ago to teen suicide, and they hold space for the young adult who is currently testing his mettle in a difficult world. Almost 30 years after a bout with cancer, Mary holds lightly to the world. She lives in a liminal space between alive and dead, between here and gone. Her life perhaps saved by treatments, but those treatments were not benign and now threaten to end her. Yet so far, when the sun comes up every morning, the old dogs are still breathing, and so is Mary. Mary writes essays and poems and is working on a book about all of this, even the chickens. You can check the show notes at the end to get information about Mary and where you can connect with her. Please welcome Mary Mandeville. Hi, Mary. Thank you. Hi, Maria and Annie. Thank you so much for having me here today. Um, I'm going to read a piece that I wrote, and it's uh, it's been both a poem and prose, and right now it's in prose, and it's just a little story about the last visit I had with a friend of mine who um, it was, a, was someone who'd had cancer. We knew each other because of that, 
and uh, she died from the effects of the treatment. And this was almost a decade ago that she passed away. This is called Lunch with Sandy. Over my friend's shoulder, naked vines with tight buds straggle up the patio, patio trellis. At 61 years old, my friend is still cute with her naturally brown hair in a pixie cut and big two-tone glasses, which are dark on the bottom and green on top to highlight her own green eyes. How are you feeling about your coming surgery, I ask. I pose this question to my long-term friend over salads with curried tuna and thick slices of warm French bread. I sip hot cappuccino and the white foam swirls on top, sticks to my upper lip before I lick it off. Are you ready? My friend, with her 30 years cancer-free to my 20, this way we know each other connected through struggle and long-term survival. A puff of heat whooshes from the cafe's wall vent, but the heat does not warm my chilly feet. You see, I can't square my friend's chipper affect, her good appetite, her trendy but not too fancy outfit with the distinct possibility that scar tissue from radiation treatment decades past has so snarled around her heart, she might not make it off the operating table just two days from today. A small flock of brown birds, they're sparrows, I think, cluster around a wire feeder stuffed with seeds and suet on the restaurant's patio. Sun shines through the restaurant's floor to ceiling windows and I raise a hand to my forehead to block the glare and better see my friend's face. She sets down her fork, lets out a long, slow breath. I think I'm ready, she says. Well, I hope I am. I guess I have to be, she finishes. The heater breathes loudly into the room again, invisible respiration finally warming my chilly toes. Against the clatter of forks and spoons on plates and cups and a chatter of voices punctuated by the occasional laugh, I don't check my assumption that I'll see my friend again in just a few days. I'll visit her in the hospital as she recovers, heart surgery a success, scar tissue removed, radiation damage managed. I assume, she assumes, a similar scenario. When our espresso's drunk, buttered bread savored and the last lettuce lifted off plates, chewed and swallowed, we rise, walk out into the temperate air and the bright light of May. What else do you have planned for today, I ask? I'm taking my dogs for a hop hike and assume my friend will also enjoy the warming afternoon. A city block stops half a block away from us. The sound of air brakes whoosh, a giant mechanical exhale. Well, I'm going home to make a video eulogy, she says, and my eyes slowly widen because she says, you know, I might not make it. Two weeks later, I sit not in a pew, but in a chair in the not church location she chose for her not funeral service. When the projector clicks on and shines her larger than death six foot face onto the wall, replete with fuzzy halo and glorious white angel wings, laughter twitters through the room. <laughs> My hilarious friend had 30 years before the treatments took her. I've had 20. The years are not nothing. I should not complain. I am grateful and yet, I wonder where I'll be when my treatment comes for me because experience and scientific studies say it's likely. 
On the tall brick wall of the memorial gathering venue, my friend adjusts her halo, smiles, and offers thanks and goodbyes to friends like me, to an ex-spouse, to nieces and nephews. It's such a gift to see and hear her one last time. Amidst laughter and tears, I make a mental note to purchase my own glorious wings and a shiny white halo for when that time comes. That's it. Thank you, Mary. That's such a beautiful piece. That's such a beautiful piece. I'm, um, it gets me every time because it puts me back at the fleur-de-lis bakery where we had that lunch in 2014 um and uh okay just it's also crystal clear yeah yeah well and you um you do us the you bring us with you right we get to be there with you too and one of the things i so appreciate about this piece is um is grief over health, right? Because that's part of what that's part of what we hope to do is expand the people's ideas about grief. And in this piece, you do. There's there's the health, there's the friendship, there's a number of losses in here. Yeah, and this piece for me is a complicated piece because I grieve the loss of my friend, the death of my friend, as I grieve many deaths. So there's that loss. But there are both she and I suffered losses to our physical sense of self even though we lived we both had the grace to live a long time after a cancer but we didn't get to live with no changes so there's that piece the grief over my body's different and for me a long struggle with and less than it was before um and i know also for sandy she had Oh, some difficult years, about five difficult years before she actually passed away with a lot of stress over constant losses, if you will. So there, yeah. Um, and then there's also the thing for me, it's like I'm coming close now at this point to the 30 years and I am in the period of years where things are not going too awesome in terms of health in response to the late effects of a treatment. So it's, there's a lot in there. Also, just parenthetically, both she and I lost sisters to cancer. When we knew each other, after we'd each had cancer, we had a sister who got cancer and died. It's like, it was a, it was a interesting long 20 year relationship with her. Wow. And you supported each other through that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I'm a little curious if you have your own angel wings yet, like you mentioned in the piece. I do not. I do not. So the part of me that's like still uh, chooses what would we call it denial? Would we call it optimism? What is it? The part of me that says I'm going to live until I'm 97 years old. So fuck off with that for now. Sorry if we don't get to say that. Um, uh, is like, no, no. <laughs> No, no, no. And then there's another part of me like, oh, I, I could make that tomorrow. How fun would that be? And then have some little, have it ready to go just in case. I think it would be fun. It was, was phenomenal. I highly recommend it. I, anybody who knows they're going to die or likely to die, can go like Sandy, risky surgery, risky, risky, might not come out of it. Um, 
if they wanted to. Uh, what a gift it was to all the rest of us. Um, I, I can barely say it was like such a gift. So thanks for the nudge. Probably I should go shopping or I can just do it online. I'm sure Amazon has them or someone else. <laughs> it's just the, I want to say curious. It is very interesting to hear that story because that is not something I've personally experienced going to any type of funeral celebration of life and seeing that person give us a message. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, it is maybe off to buy my own angel wings. <laughs> it it <laughs> was awesome. And she, she had taken on a special role with her sister's daughters. So her nieces were now motherless and she had become a really important person to them. And she addressed a chunk, just like she's just looking down off the wall and she's looking and I don't know how this happened. Just a miracle. She's just looking right at them and they are undone but in a good way because she's she's left them this gift even though she's died of i'm still here for you and and we see her it's it's really brilliant i i highly recommend it so i've got to get on it yeah well it is it's it's a huge gift and it is yeah. um, in so many ways for the people watching and i think for the person doing it and there yeah. is this acknowledgement that this physical life has yeah. an expiration right yeah. and so like embracing it instead of pretending it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, when we talked, when I got over, when we were at the restaurant and she told me she's going home to make a video eulogy, I was like, you don't know. I was just like speechless. I'm just going to go walk my dogs and she's going to go home and make the eulogy for when she might be dead in a couple of days. And I was like, yeah. and when I got myself back together, I was like, well, here's what I know. I'm going to see that video one way or the other. My hope is you and I will schedule another lunch and we'll watch it together and we'll, we'll enjoy it so much. But I do know that I will get to see it one way or another. And I got to see it in my second favorite way, which was far below the first favorite way, but it was still good. Yeah. Yeah. One of my really dear friends um, had a party celebration before he went in for his bone marrow transplant because uh -huh. he decided he wanted to have everybody together who he loved and who loved him. And, and it was brilliant. And it was like being at his own wake. Uh -huh. um, and uh, I was super honored to be there. Part of me, there's a part of my brain that was like, this is a little weird, but this is beautiful. And we actually just talked about it the other day. And he was saying just how much that meant to him to be able to have all those people in the room and all of us in the room were saying, everyone should do this. This is what yeah. we should do. Why do we wait until the exactly. person, you know, about do. a year ago, an acquaintance, not really a friend, but someone that I knew was dying of pancreatic cancer and, you know, got to the point where there's nothing else is happening. It, th this is the dying process. And so she and her friends held a big, and when it's, you know, it was still COVID, right? So, um, but people came, some people came and then they streamed this, this thing, the thing. It was like a show. It was so good. And mostly it was people talking about, toasting her, waking her. Mostly it wasn't her. And it was just phenomenal. I mean, it was good for everyone. It was good to do when she was still there instead of when she was gone. Um, yeah, I think we should, we could, we could get so much from this. Those of us who are going to stay for a little while and the person who's going to go, I think could get a lot from 
from that rather than waiting and talking about somebody when they're dead, which is, which is good too. And I feel like as a person still here, I need that too. I need us to, I need us to do something after they've passed because, um, and you and I have talked about grief before and like what, one of the things that we know I, I've learned for a bazillion griefs over my life is there's no workaround. There's no, um, there's no, I've been through this before. So this time it's going to be easy. I know the thing, I know how it goes. So that's okay. It won't bother me so much. I'm going to prepare early. That's what I, I've tried that, especially with my pets. I've tried to be like prepared as if, if I'm ready and I do all the right steps, maybe the grief won't overwhelm me, but that's never true. That, you know, the only way is through there. There's no workaround, but I still think that doing these, doing celebrations of life with a person who's still here ha, offer a rich opportunity for, for what, for connection, for just something really deep and soulful. Yeah. Uh, oh, I was just curious on your um, bazillion of different griefs there that you touched on a little bit. Uh, now we know about, you know, your pets and cancer and this current um health i don't know how to sum it up quickly that you talked about yeah. health issues through the cancer um if there's any other brief versions of your grief story throughout your life you'd like to share with us today um you know i was thinking about this and i think you know i lost a brother when i was just a toddler i have zero conscious memory of it i was two he died of sudden infant death syndrome. Um, but the grief of my parents was like a tsunami, right? I have no conscious memory of that either. But one of the ways I know it is when I asked my mom about it 50 years after. So I'm in my, I'm 52, my mom's whatever, 70 something. And I asked her to tell me about it. And she's just like, tears, like she can't speak from home half a century later two reasons for that you know that when it happened was a time where people talk about it like they do now kudos to my parents it was never a secret or like taboo but we didn't go into it we didn't and we didn't memorialize him in any way and i was the only per child who experienced his life because i was the oldest he was the next but so I'm just aware and I've been looking at it a lot more like how grief informed me really early in a way I didn't consciously even know about. So there was that and just like, and I had this thing in my life where I pictured him in my room up in the corner for like a good half a decade till he was a kid and he grew like his little ghost self grew in my corner. And I had to ask him to get out of my room when I was in puberty for reasons you can speculate on, but I needed him out of my room, just out, out, out as my brother. Um, but for all that time, he was hanging out with me, whatever that was about. So there's, so there's that, so that, and then the boy next door died when I was 15. That undid me. It undid me and I was conscious of it. And I, it's when I realized that one of the things I would do with grief is walk. I would walk through it. I would walk straight up hills. I would walk hard. I would walk fast. I would make my heart pound. I would breathe hard. I would be in my body. So I think that's one of the ways that I deal with grief is I just, I, I live. 
you know, for the time that I'm here, like I anchor myself to the basics of like <sighs> breathing, heart beating, muscles working. Um, I can't tell you how many times I climbed the hill across the street from our house after the neighbor died, just like something about it. Um, you mentioned my son died. I mentioned it in my bio. Uh, my wife and I had adopted a son and he had many troubles from the get-go and he took his own life when he was 19. That undid me. But it also did me. You, you said it's the source of your superpowers. It's where some kind of It's like, he's not alive, but I am. Yeah. Therefore, live. There's something about it. Just like, it recommits me to living. It recommits me to showing up for other people. Um, the thing that's changed over time with grief is not that it's easier, but maybe it is easier. I, I'm less taken aback by it. I'm not shocked anymore. I am not shocked. The, the dogs I have are going to die probably this year, maybe next month. I don't know. They're really old and they're, they're struggling, but um, while they're here, I'm here for them. But I won't be shocked. Like the first pet I ever had who died, like that again, took the wind out of my sails because it's like, wait, what? Uh, now I'm like, yeah, this could happen for all of us, every single freaking one. And I'm getting more comfortable with that whatever, whatever that is. I have a certain, I want to say peace. I'm struggling for a word because I want to say peace. Is it peace? I don't know if it's peace. Acceptance. Sure. It's that. Because at a certain point you see like, there's nothing I can do about this. <laughs> my, uh sister, my sister passed away. As I said, both Sandy and I had sisters who died of cancer. And I felt like my DNA knew about that. I felt like my body knew about that in some kind of way I'd never experienced before, maybe with my baby brother, but I, I couldn't process it. It didn't happen with my dad, but my sister and I, oh my God, we're made out of the same DNA. We're close. And something about it just was like, whoa, I could not get over the fact that it happened to her. And this meant it's definitely assuredly happening to me and everyone I know in a way I'd never gotten delivery of before. I just like never, despite all evidence to the contrary, I thought I'm gonna scoot through this. I'm, I'm gonna get through this. And most of the people I love are gonna get through this too. And it's like, no. So I do have more acceptance. Well, and you know, I mean, oh my gosh, I, for one, just, you know, just human to human, we're just so sorry that you have experienced all those griefs and so appreciate you talking about it because they're, because they're different, right? Yeah. And even though you've been through one, there's sort of this human expectation, like, okay, I've been through this, so I know what it is, but they're, they're different because our relationships with who or what we lost are not the same as, yeah. as other griefs. Yeah. So it's in that way, it's constantly changing. I got to say, I love what you said about, um, your son's death and your belief that you're alive. So you have to live. Um, cause sometimes, you know, I read a lot. I, you know, grief is so, is so part of my world. And when, when people write, like, you know, there doesn't have to be a silver lining. We don't have to learn a lesson from it. Right. That is true. Like however you grieve is how you grieve. Um, 
But I love the way you put that, that because you're here, because you're alive, you're living. It's not just tying a bow on it. It's this acknowledgement that this is part of life and I'm going to, I'm, I'm here. So I'm going to live and I'm going to enjoy it. I felt it almost like obligations, too big a word, but, um, uh, one of the times I wrote about this and, and I know, you know about it. I went, so when we went to our family, went to the Dougie center here in Portland, you know, shout out to the Dougie center Yay, Dougie center you know, for a couple, maybe three years. And one of the things they did was offer a trip, which a stunning number of people turned down a free trip to go whitewater kayaking for a week. So they offered it to the children, teens, they offered it to the parents. So I went on a parent group. So that means I'm on a group of whitewater kayaking for a week and everyone has lost an immediate family member. And that's why we're out there. And every day just put me on my knees every day. Like the lots of people we're dealing with were amazing, stunning. And I'd just be like, wow. And you're, you have your clothes on and you're eating your breakfast and paddling. And I don't know how you do it. And they probably were looking at me the same way. But the thing is, we were all there. But one day there were three of us and there were only three of us who had lost children. Everyone else had lost a spouse. And one woman was just distraught. Like she didn't know why to go on. And just sitting in my kayak, I just felt it like Brandon would have loved the part, what he loved about life. This is one of the things, being outside doing things. I'm like, who am I? And how arrogant and how, and this is without judgment, not judging her, not judging myself, not judging anybody, but like, isn't it kind of nuts to like, not take advantage of this great, incredible opportunity I have. And in that moment, sitting on that kayak, I just lost my sister and my son in the space of two years. And both of them were just bowled me over. And I thought, oh my God, put your paddle in the damn water and go celebrate for them because they don't get you. So the last thing you're going to do is sit here and whine about it go and it, it felt it from the inside and and we all did we were all like yeah let's just paddle those kayaks because because we can yeah put your paddle in the water and go and i just want to say this too though that especially around suicide and on this trip the other the other mother her her 19 year old just like my 19 year old had had killed himself and uh the rates of suicide in people who know someone who killed themselves go up. They just, they go up in their friend circle, six degrees, I think it is, you know, you know, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, but it goes up even more in parents. So one route people do take is intense despair. And, and I'm not judging that. It's just a fact that sometimes it's so overwhelming, that loss that you don't know how to go on. You've said so many good things, like so many, like mic drops throughout yeah, this. Really um, uh, I personally maybe want to back the bus up a little bit from what my mother said here uh-huh. in her, uh, which was very sweet. And it, and it struck me on a core too, of when she said human to human, we want to say we're sorry. I don't always think that's very helpful when people are grieving, even though it just came out of your mouth. Um, I, I don't personally know if I, 
think sorry is the correct word for all these stories you've shared. It it does my heart like suffering to hear everything that you've shared with us. And it's also how we learn about people and connect with people. And um, I don't, I think sorry is the wrong word. And I didn't want to back the bus up because we hear that a lot when people like there's a death in the, a death happens. We're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, is sorry right? I don't know. That's my soapbox. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, actually what I usually say, I know I said that to you, but what I did say that, but often what I will say to people is rather than just, I'm sorry, I will say, I'm sorry for your heartache because it really is suffering what you said. That's what I mean. I don't usually just do the blanket because you didn't do the blanket, but it was very like, yeah, yeah. She's Mary. You've shared many wonderful stories with us today that show the suffering and the goodness and the put your paddle in the water and row, which is amazing. Um, and it doesn't, yeah, it's like, this has given you life. It feels like instead of suffering, sorry, this, yeah, I don't know. Might be putting words in your mouth. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's true. Not always. (laughs) Not always. And I'm not, not in a hot minute of it right now either. No one has just, everyone's here. Even my really old dogs. And I, every day I'm like, get ready. They're going to die. But they're not. And that's profoundly different. Someone who's dying is profoundly different than someone who's died. Even, even your dog. It's like so different. You're still all involved. I'm still involved with all the things of life and getting them to eat, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I tell people I'm sorry. Sometimes I usually say I'm sorry for your loss, especially if I don't know them very well. And I'm working on saying things just like this. I've got you. I'm here for you. What can I do for you? I would catch on that one a little bit. Cause I think sometimes they have no freaking idea what you can do for them. So sometimes I'm like, will you eat a casserole? <laughs> like just try to, um, be there. Right now I have two people, um, one who is just diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And so I'm right in the throes of being that person's friend and finding my feet. Because that's that's another thing. I have lots of practice with that, but I still have to find my feet every freaking time. Like, okay, what? Another person is gonna die from a cancer and now I have to find the way, because it's a different way for this person and this relationship than any other one. But what's the way for me to show up? How do I show up? How do I assist? I cannot fix. But how do I how, how do I show up? And one of the things I've just been saying is you can call me anytime. I, I've got you. I'm here to listen because I am. And I'm working really hard all the time not to have any judgments. Just show up. I love what you said about having to find your feet because it is really true. And that's part of, you've just said so many beautiful things today because it's part of what we're hoping to do with this is just to explore the possibilities. There's no, I mean, people always hear there's no right or wrong way. True. But what does that like actually mean? And so when you say you're looking inward to see how you can show up for, for people, that's a beautiful gift. And I think in asking, you also said, because I'm a firm believer in not just asking, not when people say, I'll do anything for you, the person who is hurting oftentimes doesn't know what it is. Um, So I tend to be like a meal maker, an errand runner, um, and checking in if like, are those things going to work for you? 
Um, My neighbor used to cut my grass and not tell me, right? It was like the most beautiful, helpful thing in the world. Yeah. You know, and I was in such a hard space. I didn't even realize it sometimes be a couple of days. And I think, Hey, my, my grass is short again. So, you know, that's, that is sort of set a bar for me of like things that are actually helpful for people um, that can just childcare would be extremely helpful. Uh, People that I know right now or older don't have children, but um, like for this, this person just diagnosed, she's a dog with few people to help take care of it. So like to go walk the dog or make, sh- you know, like take that stress off so that you can, she can relax and know she can be in the hospital for a few days. I just think thinking about what, like just nuts and bolts, what, what could you take off somebody's plate? Either because they're dealing with something like an illness or because they've just lost someone and they're upside down and don't know where the dog's leash is or how to make food anymore. <laughs> um, so we always kind of end with this because you said so many things and you've almost answered all of our regular questions without us even asking them. Um, is there anything else you would like to add into this conversation for listeners or not? I don't think so. That's cool. Just that, you know, like oh, you've already said this grief we're all going to do it our own way in all those stages of grief they're all real but they're they don't go in order and they don't get over um so one day it's acceptance and another day it's denial <laughs> like right on the back, heels of each other and you're like wait what i thought i was all done with that um and then it'll come up again but it it does like who came up with it gets better it does it does it hurts less over time and you find that you do remember how to make food and put your socks on and walk the dog. It all comes together. Yeah. Wow. Mary, thank you so much for being with us today. There are just so many gems in there and we super appreciate your time and your heart and your kindness. Um, I'm sure that our listeners are also feel like held and um, curious and I don't know. You just, you bring such a sense of warmth, right? That you have, that you truly have walked through this and are walking through it and you do it with so much heart. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, if you would like to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is coffeeandgrief at gmail.com. And we're also on Facebook. You please join our Facebook community. It's Coffee and Grief Community. It's a group. You'll have to request to join, but we'd love to have you in there. There's often some great conversations that happen on posts and you can share any of your own creative work in there. Uh, We do a thing called Coffee Talk. That's the first Thursday of every month. It's five different readers reading a personal grief story, a little similar to what you heard today. There just won't be conversation with it afterwards. There, you can always find the Zoom link for that on our Facebook page, and it is always the first Thursday of every month. If there's something you'd like us to talk about, please let us know. Email us at that coffeeandgrief at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. We always like to say in closing be good to yourself, be kind to your hearts, drink plenty of water, do something nice for yourself, and if you have the bandwidth, do something nice for another please come back. We love to have you with us. We love you. We love you. Have a great day. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.